Welcome to the Games Explained Podcast, where we talk about board games, and we talk about hairstyles in those board games. We're your hosts, Dan, Ben, and Matt. Three syllables of fun for three callbacks to episode one. (laughs) (laughs) And there's the first callback. Just wait in anticipation for the other two throughout this episode. (laughs) Uh, so our format is we're each going to talk about a game that we've been enjoying lately, and then we'll have a big topic. Today's topic is dexterity games. Ooh, Ooh so you can you can wait for that. It's a little it's a little tease there. Nice, got him. <laughs> uh, I played Ticket to Ride the other day. Oh, tell you us about. Ever, you guys ever heard about that one? I have heard about that. I one. have the Europe one. Yeah, I just played the vanilla one, and the cards are so teeny tiny. They're pretty small. <laughs> they they are like, I could like close my fist and have it hidden in my hand, and you wouldn't know. They're so small. The the color cards or the route cards, both, oh. or at least the version I have. Yeah, same. They're like half size cards. Oh my! They're so tiny. Anyway, Ticket to Ride is just a uh, a solid good game. Like it, it, uh, it's, I don't know. I just, I, I enjoy it. I guess I should describe it cause I'm assuming that everybody knows it, but maybe not everybody knows it. Um, you have a map of some area of the world. There's many versions now, but I played the vanilla one, which is like the States. And there's a couple of, uh, Canadian cities in there too. Shout out Winnipeg oh, and Sault Ste. Marie or whatever. What? Wait, where that's where is that? I don't know. But that's one of the cities in Ticket to Ride. Sioux spelt like S-A-U-L-T. Did I say that right S- even? Salt. Salt St. Marie. Sioux. Salt. Sioux. I don't know the answer to that. But <laughs> there, there you go, guys. Enjoy that. Um, and in Ticket to Ride, you have tickets. And you ride. And you ride, <laughs> and you ride on tickets the whole game. <laughs> Well, there's two ways to make points. One way is to just make connections between cities. And to do that, you need to have the right amount of cards. So there's, uh, it shows the certain number of cards that you need to make the connection between a city and another. Anywhere between one and six train cars that you need. And you have to have a matching set of that many colors of cards by drawing from the deck. To make that connection. And the longer the, the connection, the more points you get exponentially. So, like, it takes a longer time to plan for and prepare for a longer track, but you get more points. But that's not the main way you get points in Ticket to Ride. You get points by completing routes that you get from the tickets that you get from from the beginning of the game. And if you choose to spend your turn later on getting more tickets, then you can get more tickets to, to do other other uh, routes too. So you could have... Uh, tickets are worth different amounts of points. The big ones are like 20-some points to go like across the country. And then the smaller ones where you just go like two or three cities over. And uh, it's like six or seven or eight points or something like that. Um, And so you're trying to make these connections and not get cut off by your opponents as you're going across the country. And um, yeah, you feel like uh, you're hanging out in the 1800s and 
and uh, just living life to the full, you know? Can I tell you a strategy I have for that game? I'm ready. I know Matt's strategy. <laughs> oh, no. Here's strategy A, okay. which is you complete the shortest routes you possibly can at the start and then spend the rest of the game putting your pieces on the smallest routes possible so that other people cannot put their pieces on those small routes. It's a brutal strategy. <laughs> so you get something done and sabotage everybody else. Like a true train baron would. <laughs> My strategy is almost the polar opposite. I take the longest route of the original routes because you uh, the game starts with you drawing three routes and you have to keep at least two of them. You got it. Or you can keep all three. Yeah. Um, so I'll typically keep the two biggest ones, or at least the two that overlap the most, so that I can make them just one route. Uh, so then I'll complete that route, and then I'll just keep putting down the biggest chunks in between that I can. Oh. So Because people are saving up for those big chunks. Mm-hmm. And then I put down something, and then that ruins their plans. And they're like, okay, I have to find this other alternate route that goes around somewhere else. Yeah, that's not better uh, than it's, me, it, morally. It, no, not really. <laughs> but part of the side benefit there is that typically those long routes, I can add on to the end of my route. So it looks like I'm still Ooh. continuing my route. And there's also bonus points at the end for having the longest route. Mm-hmm. That's right. And mm-hmm. by, by getting the longest chunks, it means that I can put the most cars down as fast as possible so typically i'm the one with my cars done first which ends the game oh 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 that's that sounds like a good strategy <laughs> i i must say i have never once played offensively in a game of ticket to ride i i i only get offensive if i've finished my routes and i never pick up extra routes you never pick up extra routes? I Well, I have in the past, but I find it's never advantageous. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the final round pick a routes and hope you already have one Absolutely. complete. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Love it. Yeah. That's the way to go. It's the gambit. Mm-hmm. Good games have good risk rewards. <laughs> like great games are ones where you can have the biggest risk that you want and the reward will just keep getting bigger. Yeah. Well, I'm down for that. Mm-hmm. The game that I've played recently uh, is Power Grid. Um, yeah, I got oh it for my. Christmas and finally got it opened a couple weeks ago and got to play it. It's pretty good. It, it's a little intimidating looking at the rule book. It's one of those, you know, there's a lot of facets to it. Um, but there's, you know, you play through several um, rounds of, of the game are just like there's there's like four or five different phases to the, to each round. And you so once you've played through a couple of rounds, uh, then you've got kind of a pretty good hang of it. And then you end up going through like, I don't know, 15 or 20 rounds to get to the full game. Um, yeah, so the, the premise of the game is that you are uh, playing in this world. You're a, you're a bunch of different power companies. Uh, each player is a, is a power company. And you're trying to build your um, power company to supply power to as many cities as possible. And so you're... Uh, every turn, there are uh, cards available in front of you that represent different uh, power generators. So you might have a coal plant or solar or uh, wind power or uh, nuclear or, uh, like I said, coal oil. Um, garbage. 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 Oh, garbage, garbage. Yeah. Burn that. Um, so yeah, there's all these different things and you can uh, buy these different power plants, but you can only have three power plants at a time. So you have to try and uh, maximize the ones that you can get. Uh, it also has a really cool supply and demand mechanic in it. So at the beginning of the game, there's a certain number of oil, uh, coal, garbage, and nuclear uh, fuel sources available. And uh, th- 
the the number that are currently on the board affect the price. So as you buy them, the price goes up. Right, like as they become scarcer. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if if you're doing oil and your neighbor's doing oil, then you probably don't want to get into the oil game because you know it's going to be super expensive when it comes for you to buy oil. So you want to try and diversify your power plants based on what other people have. That's real smart. Yeah. And also what I like about that game is that you get into uh, bidding wars with the the right, power yeah. plants that you can buy. Like they're, the first phase is, is buying new power plants mm-hmm. for your company. And then, you know... You can you can just bluff with people and raise the price of some crappy plant that you know that they want and you are not going to get. Yeah. <laughs> but you can convince them that you want it, and then you raise the price like twice what it was worth, and yep. then make them buy it anyway. Oh. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I did not pretty... realize there was a bluffing component to that game until oh, just now. Definitely is. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> like I, the only times I've ever played that game really are with people who are so hardcore that they have like in their minds they they know exactly the strategy like they've the the, the time tested strategy that they've always done i'm gonna i need to buy this power plant and i'm like okay i'm gonna buy it i know it's cost 15 i'm gonna spend 28 29 <laughs> 33 34 <laughs> and it's like something else is way cheaper and more efficient but they need their coal plant or whatever, you know? Yeah. That is incredible. It's so good. Yeah. Something that I found interesting when I was playing it was it felt in some ways very similar to Monopoly, but actually good. Uh, like it has the element of like it, in some ways it's like very surface level like Monopoly because you have a bank with the, a bunch of uh, paper bills that, you know, you cut out there that, are, that have been cut out and you hand out to start the game and you use that to buy your your properties and then you uh, augment those properties by buying the resources that then sit on the properties that you use to spend and generate electricity. So, like in a lot of, it's got a lot of those mechanics that are in Monopoly. Um, the counter to that is there's no player elimination. Um, rather than uh, a roll of the dice, which affects only you, the randomness in the game is which cards get flipped over, and that affects everybody. Uh, and there's a mechanic that keeps that randomness kind of reined in. So um, rather than having, you know, some of, some good cards flipped over right at the beginning and some, uh, you know, simple cards uh, flipped over, the good cards being ones that you can't actually afford yet, um, what happens is you put, uh, I think, it, I don't know uh, what the rule is for different numbers of people, but you have two rows of cards essentially. So uh, the, the four cheapest cards are the ones that you're actually able to buy. And then as you buy a card, you, it comes out of that selection and you replace it with something else. And you rearrange them so that the four cheapest cards are the half of the cheap half of the cards that are the cheapest are the ones you can actually buy. So the expensive cards just sit there waiting for you to um, bubble up. Yeah. Um, which balances out that randomness quite a bit. And so, yeah, I just found it interesting that it was, you know, it is a fairly different game. Like you're not moving around a map and you don't have tokens and that are like representative tokens, but um, it still has a lot of those same core mechanics and done in a you know, a good way, which is it seems fun. like a pretty intelligently uh, designed game. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Hmm, power, could you say? Yeah, it's also cool that it's got a double-sided game board, so it's got Germany on one side and the U.S. on the other side. Oh yeah, so you can oh. actually like change up how it works. And if you're playing with uh, fewer than the maximum number of people, then you block off certain 
um, states or provinces or whatever uh, on on the board. So you can actually block off different ones uh, for different games. So you can play with the same people on the same country, but still have a different board uh, each time. So cool. Yeah, tight. Uh, a game I've played kind of recently is Rook. Yeah. Have you played Rook? Yes, I have. Huh? I feel like you I have, but I can't actually Rook? remember how it works. Rook is a game from uh, the past. <laughs> invented <laughs> Most before games I from was. from the past. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's from the now. Uh, no, it's Rook. It's a game for four players. That's a variant I'll talk about. Um, and it fascinates me because... Oh, oh, I'll just explain it. So it's a trick-taking game, which means everyone puts down a card, and whoever had the best card gets that mm, hand, and right. they get a point. And you bid how many points you think you can get before everyone runs out of cards. So everyone has seven cards or something, and so you know there are going to be seven rounds, and you have to predict, based on the hand you got at the beginning, how many cards you think you can get. The trick is, the person with the best bid gets to choose which color of card or which suit is the most uh, valuable or the most powerful. As in, they, they, they choose the trump That's suit. right. Yeah. yeah. So they'll say it's diamonds, which means diamonds are now more powerful than everything. So the game, so you have to say, I would do best if I got my way. But then, and here's the part that makes Rook excellent, you pick a card... And whoever has that card is your partner. Oh, interesting. At that point, one person in the room knows who is on everyone else's team and no one else knows. <laughs> they either know uh, if I am not the leader and I uh, have the card, I know I have all the information. If I'm not the leader and I don't have the card, I know one person that I'm against, but these other two, I don't know who's on my team and who's not. Mm -hmm. And if you're the person who chose the card, you're in power, you have three randoms, and hopefully one plays that card soon so you know that you can team up with them. So you have this like hidden ally that you don't even know who it is. That's cool. And you can pick a card that you have and just take all the points for yourself. <laughs> yeah, if you're really confident. Oh, that's that's so fun. I don't know any <laughs> other game with with that like I've been on your team this whole time. Love it. It's oh, it's mm. really good. And like when you throw out for example, if you decide that your partner is going to have the most powerful trump card that you don't have. Mhm. Mm uh you decide that they're going to do that and then you throw out like a really small trump card that gives points. And you're like, please show me that card. And then nobody plays it. And your mind is blown. You're like, what? Who? Who is not telling me? Like, somebody's taking this, these points away from you. You're like, who is it? And you're just paranoid the whole game. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> that was the reveal moment. Yeah, Why yeah. didn't you reveal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, mm, And mm. then the other interesting thing is that the Rook card is always the suit that is trump but is like the the lowest yeah that's that how i've played as well suit. so or, or yeah i guess there's there's a lot of different ways to play rook but but uh like it's worth lots of points 
but it it's always like any any Trump will beat it, mm-hmm. but it is also a Trump, so it will beat anything other than a Trump. Yeah. So it's like it's 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 a weird card to figure out how to play properly, and uh, it makes it a fun game. I love it, man! Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, mm, Rook. Mm. <laughs> so that's my that's my game of the cast. Mm-hmm. It has a name now. Game of the cast. Game of the cast. So my friend works at a radio station, and he said whenever they have, I think four seconds or more of dead air, an alarm goes off in the studio, and people sprint to try to fix the problem. Four seconds of dead air. Is this hyperbole? This is real. An alarm goes on. Al- it goes <laughs> until like people are like going through the hallways, and there's this button that's that's like play the next thing. <laughs> so someone had put it in manual mode, I guess, and just took off. And they have a system that's like, hey, we had four seconds of nothing. This is a problem. <laughs> And then someone's just got to, like, run in and hit a button. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. If my workplace had an alarm, if there were four seconds of silence, (laughs) it would be going off the whole time. Kidding. So today's main topic is dexterity games. If you're not familiar with that term, it's, it's any game where the main challenge is something you physically do. That is somewhat skill based. So, do you have to stack things carefully, uh, and that's the game, or do you have to uh, put your hands on colored circles and contort your body? <laughs> Dexterity games. Who would come up with a game like that? I just made it up on the spot. Nice. Let's call it Hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we were coming up with a bunch of different games beforehand. It was this topic just kind of came out of our list of things we've thought about in the past. And we were like, I don't know if there's that many games, but as we were brainstorming, we came up with like a huge list of these things. So I'm going to look at my list and start, <laughs> start talking about them. Yes. Um, one that I remember us having growing up that was super fun was called Siege Pirate Battle Game. Wait, wait, par- Siege Pirate Battle Game. Siege Pirate. <laughs> Is it Siege Dash Pirate? Uh, it was Siege in big letters, and then underneath it, Pirate Battle Game. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It was yeah. It was super fun. It, basically, the way that this game worked is you had uh, some islands that you were defending, and on these islands, you could put uh, some cannons, and then you also had like this big three D uh, pirate ship that you could put around your island as well, and put cannons on it, uh, and then you had some actual firing cannons, like firing with springs and rubber bands. Um, cannons and mortars that you could use to shoot at your uh, opponents. What, uh, what did they shoot? Like little marbles little, or something? Little, little plastic, plastic yeah. marble-sized marble things. That yeah. is so fun. And uh, so what you're trying to do is you're trying to take out their like shields and cannons and whatever. And if you hit those, or if you hit like the ship's mast or whatever, those were all rigged up to rubber bands. And so if you hit them at just the right... Uh, force or the right angle then they would like shoot up out of the out of the stands oh that's so satisfying yeah it was super satisfying to play this game so did you you like position them exactly where you want and tilt them and then you just hit yeah exactly yeah it's like the tank video game but a board game yeah exactly that yeah it's super (laughs) cool it was very fun um there were two like marble based board games I remember us having and one of them is called Rebound. 
Oh and, yeah, and it's if it's I sort of remember like two properly, player pinball. It's it, it was like or no, it, I think it was like like uh, it was like curling, curling, like yeah, like curling, but you have to bank uh your shot around a corner that is rigged up with a rubber band so it like bounces around yeah. the corner so it was so shaped like a it was shaped like a curling rink but it had a hairpin bend in the middle so it went forward hit a 45 degree rubber band hit another 45 degree rubber band and then came back did you have what was it pucks with a marble yeah in yes. the middle oh i have i saw that game yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a friend had that game i, I remember pl- yeah that was that was a good one and then there's yeah. another one it was a Star Wars game where you have, uh, and like you have an X-wing that has a spring-loaded launcher in it, and then you set a marble underneath of it, and you position it somewhere along the Death Star trench, and there are little Tie fighters set up, and you have to try and launch it into the into the duct or whatever to blow it up, but then you also get to shoot all these Tie fighters out of the way too. Yeah, just like random shooting things with marble games. It's pretty fun. So good. That is incredible. Oh, here here's a here's a game of old Monster Mash. Oh, I'm gonna describe this game for you with a single sound. Hold on, it's gonna be two sounds. <laughs> oh man. This game looks pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> that sums up the experience of this game. So you have this spinner. Which has three alien parts. Uh, There's like a head and the body and the feet kind of thing. Yeah, and you spin it and it will randomly arrange them. So there's three options of three each. And you let go and it picks one. And for each combination, a card exists face up on the table. And your goal is to use this thwacker, (laughs) which is a long plastic uh, spatula with a suction cup on the end that's hand-shaped. And you have to thwack the card and uh, get it to stick to your suction cup (laughs) before the other people. That is so silly. So what happens is it goes like this. And then you hear thwack, thwack, thwack. I got it. Oh, I got it. And it's tremendous fun. And I play it with adults. It's like... The, the same kind of hectic, hecticness as spoons when the spoon thing comes up and you all have to go for the same thing. Oh, tell me, tell me you, about spoons. Except you have a... <laughs> yeah, spoons is a dexterity game yeah, yeah. of sorts. It's it's like sure. old it's, maid, but you get to fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Man, I wasn't even thinking about that. So what do you have to do? You, 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 you have uh, like a set of cards and you have to try and get a grouping of four of them. Like or 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 something like that. You have to get a, a, all fours in your hand or whatever, and you just take a card and pass it, and then get a card from the other direction. And once you have all the same, then you sneak a spoon from the middle, or you make a big show of it, or whatever. Or you uh, pretend to take a spoon from the middle and then don't, <laughs> and then freak everyone out. Or you can play like by the nasty rules where you're allowed to like grab the stack and throw it in the air. So as as soon as someone has grabbed a spoon, the last person to grab a spoon is out because mm. it's like musical chairs. There aren't enough spoons. Right. Okay. And yeah. so that's why there's fighting. Yes. We we played. Uh, I was a camp counselor, and we played just the staff. Uh, so we were at one end of the chapel. There were no chairs set up, and you would 
grab all of the spoons and throw them to the other end of the room. <laughs> and we had a rule that it wasn't the first few people to pick up a spoon, but it was to successfully bring a spoon back to the stage. So there's lots of fighting going on on the way so back. So much fighting. Uh, tremendous fun. Not actually recommended, but tremendous fun. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, Jenga is an obvious example. Oh, Jenga. Yeah. What's... what's? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what Jenga is, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You, you push a block from its tower of blocks and put it on the tower of blocks best game best best jenga i i feel like i heard the other day that the rules for jenga are less strict or something than most people expect like oh. most people they'll they'll take a block out and then they'll put it on top but when they do that they'll still line it up with, with the other blocks but are you maybe allowed to put it however you want on top of the the pile i'm like assuming it's still horizontal around. or can you just like I'd, peek it i I'm not sure. I can safely say I've never read a Jenga rule book before yeah, in my entire either. life. I heard the other day that there was a weird rule, and I can't remember what it was, but it might have been that. <laughs> so let's just say it is. Yeah, sounds... And that's how I'm going to play it from now on. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Let's make up house rules for Jenga. My house rule for Jenga was you take each block, and you put it upright in a line, and then you push one over so that they <laughs> all fall. <laughs> that's how I played Jenga. Yeah. That that's a good version. Called I like it that kinetic one. Jenga. Because <laughs> it wasn't kinetic before. Okay, <laughs> these are all like a lot of the, especially the first few examples that we gave. Well, Jenga two are older games, mm-hmm. but one game that I played last year at some point that is super fun. I don't know if you guys have heard of. It's called Junk Art. I have not heard Junk of this game. Junk Art. It's so good. I just I I just thought of it like a minute ago here. Um, so what it is, is it's a box that contains a bunch of random wooden shapes, like, like fat cylinders, long skinny cylinders, little half circles, uh, dumbbell looking things, bricks, uh, squares, all kinds of just random wooden cutouts. And they have them in like I think four different colors. So so the same shapes in four different colors or something like this. And basically, there are uh, ten different variants of how to play a game using these blocks that this that this box comes with. Uh, and so the idea of the game is that like you randomly draw three different variants from from this uh, stack and. Or however many cards from the stack. And the person who wins the most points, you know, you get a certain amount of points for getting first place and second place and third place in each of these different game variants. And then by the end of the game, whoever has the most points uh, wins. So the different variants are things like this. Build the uh, highest tower Mm -hmm. without it falling over. Ever. Yes. Uh, but, but, But there's... Okay, so so then... I think there's the consistent thing. I've only played this game like one or two different evenings. Um, so I'm going to try my best to remember and not butcher the explanation of the rules. But uh, there's a deck of cards. And when you flip over a card, it reveals the color and shape of one of those cutout pieces. So like 
you always start with a a solid um like cube shaped black starting base mm-hmm. that okay. you place all your pieces on okay, top of that, yeah that you need to you need to keep all of your pieces on top of it uh and so i draw a card and i flip it over and it's this like sphere with a flat bottom so then i have to that's the next piece i need to put down on my hmm. structure and oh. then i flip another one and it's this potted plant looking thing okay i can put that on top of this sphere and sort of hold it in place so is is everyone like you flip a card and everyone has to do that thing like you take turns so i get this oh. i get this shape and i have to put this shape in so you're contributing to one statue in the middle yeah you, okay. or yeah like i have my own statue Susie has her own statue. Billy okay, has so, his own so statue. Everyone's statue has a different composition because yeah, they're drawing different cards. Pool, yeah, and we have this oh. pool of pieces in the middle that we're drawing these random cards from. And like, okay, now I have to put this shape that I've drawn on here. And then, uh, you know, you get to this certain point, and, and it's awesome. So that's one of the variants is tallest tower. Uh, another another one of the modes of the game uh, is where you each each player like you you get dealt a hand of three cards the cards also have numbers on them and i think they relate to like how difficult it is to stack them together so like the rounded edged pieces are like higher up on this list for example and then Hmm. the the more blocky ones where you can just sort of stack them on top of each other have lower numbers and then uh in this in this variant you each pick a card from your three and put it face down in the middle of the table and then you flip them over at the same time once everyone is picked and then if i have played the card with like the highest number for example then i get to pick i get to give somebody one of the face down cards first and i force them to put that card that piece in their building and then it's just like a last tower standing thing instead of the highest tower so then I'm forcing you to put this this piece that doesn't fit well in your tower onto your thing. Um, there's more game modes than that. I can't remember all of them, but they're super good. And it's like all these fun tactile wooden pieces. Hmm. And uh, what, was, what was that game called? It's called Junk Art. Junk Art. Very cool. And uh, it is tons of fun. I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's a pricey game, but I think for what you get for it, it's it's worth it it's so good mm. well i'm gonna talk about a manitoba classic here crokinole mm. oh crokinole also older than i am it's uh <laughs> imagine a three foot diameter octagon with a trough around the edge and a circle inscribed in the middle that's raised and then uh, a hole in the very middle, about an inch and a half diameter, and you have little pucks, and you get to flick them with your fingernail until it bruises or bleeds, <laughs> and you try to get into the center. And, and it's, there's also a ring of pegs sticking out of that circle, kind of guarding that hole in the middle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's different point values depending on where your pieces go, uh, and it's kind of like curling if you took just the circle at the end and made it small enough to put on a table and people sat around it and shot from every side instead of all from the same side. Yes. And you flick it. Yeah. I have I have bruised my fingernails on that. I probably have permanent damage from playing Crokinole. 
I think you're flicking from too far away. You got to have your nail like against it and then build up the pressure so you're not oh. transferring as much. You don't get that impact. Exactly. You just get yeah. the. You got to accelerate with the puck. Is that allowed? How, so. I don't know. I don't play very often. <laughs> <laughs> also expensive, but worth it for what you get. Like yeah, it's that... a three foot diameter octagon. You. Yeah. When you bring it to a party, it's like, it's your whole trunk. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. You can just go steal a stop sign if you want a three-foot diameter octagon. <laughs> a huge, like one of the huge stop signs that they have on truck routes. Yeah, nice. exactly. <laughs> we don't condone stealing. Please don't do that. Yeah, don't. Yeah. I do have a stop sign in my house, though. What? <laughs> as far as I know, it's legal. It was given to me as a gift. <laughs> Is that the part that makes it legal? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was like bought from like a place that recycles decommissioned ones like it is damaged and stuff so we do condone legally purchasing stop signs yeah oh yeah so please do that yep another fun dexterity game that kind of maybe dates us a little bit specifically pogs oh yeah anyone else remember pogs (laughs) pogs such a good game i remember there were smashers Slammers. Slammers. Yeah. So you had a bunch of these cardboard discs. That's all they were was discs of cardboard. Were they cardboard? They were definitely cardboard. And then the slammers um, were sometimes plastic, sometimes metal. Those ones, I don't think were ever cardboard ones. Uh, And like there were various rules about, you know, what was illegal for your uh, grade school. (laughs) Uh, So you'd have them all like face down in a big stack? Yeah. You'd have one big stack uh, of all these uh, discs, and then you throw your slammer on the top of the disc or top of the pile of discs, and something to do with however many flew off the pile and landed face up or something. Those are the ones that you collected, and whoever collected the most won. And in a lot of schools, it became uh, such that you'd play for keeps because these were collectible discs of cardboard. Yeah, I remember they would like, like all 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 the the hot new films at the theater would be handing them out at the door or something or like they'd be like promotional material for something yeah i I remember going to the museum and their gift store had like ones with ducks on it and stuff yeah they were got those it was crazy variety of these things everybody had pogs because it was so easy to make your own like it was just like it's a circle that's whatever diameter and hey you made a pog (laughs) So if you have your Pog collection, uh, hang on to that. It's going to be worth millions. Definitely. Uh, Still got mine, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in in the presence of a millionaire. I had special Pog tubes to hold all my Pogs. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. (laughs) Like a Pringles can or what? Yeah, pretty much a Pringles can (laughs) that's just an inch and a half in diameter or whatever. Uh, So what kind of dexterity game doesn't exist that should exist? Well, I I love the idea of playing for keeps. Uh, as a child, that's the most that would have been the most horrific idea. Like you have a thing and someone's going to take it. But now as an adult, I'm just tickled by the idea of your collection just being fluid with the community. That sounds wonderful. Uh, so maybe uh, branded Jenga blocks. <laughs> <laughs> playing keepsies with Jenga. That's so good. So everybody has to contribute like a third. Like if you play with three people, a third of the Jenga blocks. Yeah, for this, one for block this Jenga per set. row. Yeah. There's got to be like regulation size 
Jenga. Yeah, and which you've got like hollowed out some of your bricks in, from one side, so they're off weight. <laughs> <laughs> and whichever one you take out and get on top, that's what you keep. So you're motivated to go for like the the rare ones, even though it's in a trickier spot. Mm. We just invented a game. There you go. Got to got to stack them all. I'm sure that game would not go the way of the pog. I don't believe you, but I do thank you for saying so. <laughs> <laughs> I also do really like, uh, you know, those physics trajectory games like that Siege game. And I, I feel like it maybe some combination between that and some sort of Jenga type game where someone's someone's building a tower and you have to try and take down the tower as it's being built. Or, or you have to build the strongest tower to, to try and prevent this onslaught of uh, airborne plastic pellets. Well, that could be like uh, like in Junk Art where there's different objectives for diff- depending on the variant you're playing. There should be Jenga variants where like now I need to construct it in such a way that it can withstand a, a cannon shot from this angle. Or... I need to construct it in such a way that it's like as wide as possible somewhere above the base, <laughs> like like four blocks up or something. I wonder if you could play just with uh, an elastic band and a piece of paper that you fold it enough times that it becomes that like little wedge. The football shaped triangle thing. Yeah. And yeah. just like people can pelt as many as they want and you have to build it as high as you can until it tips over and that's your score. We can play the game right now. With I your, don't with, have Jenga. We can't play. With your custom <laughs> Jenga blocks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jenga for keeps. Limited edition. Because <laughs> it has to be. Because you have to have artificial. Because we'll be sued by the time we call it Jenga. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it Jenga. There you go. Janky. <laughs> Sounds about right. Wow! 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 Oh no! Oh no! Oh, it's the dead, the dead air alarm. With dexterity games, like it seems like it's just something that's so much more open ended than a lot of other board games. Like with you know traditional board games, you know you have pieces, maybe you have some sort of currency or cards or dice, um, and maybe you have a board that you move around on. But like that's kind of the realm of most board games and dexterity games seems like there's so much more possibility for variety it's hard to think of just things to combine to make interesting experiences like the the monster mash where you're slapping down these suction cups in the card like what else would do that like that's that's such a crazy mechanic and it's just so open you almost don't have enough restriction to make something cohesive it's it's kind of crazy you can combine currency from a board game with a dexterity game so that you can, instead of using plastic marble things to shoot at other cannons, you can use, like, glass marbles or metal marbles. Oh, yeah, using, so you can pay, pay to upgrade currency. something? Yeah. Yeah, so you can buy, like... DLC. Extra- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or as part of it, you know, you, you have in-game currency and you buy, like... Uh, you know a certain amount of ammo or you like different ammo at different prices or you can buy heavier bricks to build your wall stronger and um or it's got rpg mechanics where your marble levels up over time (laughs) and you have different stats which are like things you can attach to it that make it heavier yeah we could also like combine 
you know dexterity elements to more traditional games like a game like pandemic where (laughs) (laughs) shout out pandemic you know you maybe what you're doing is you know rather than outbreaks happening based on what cards are being drawn outbreaks are happening based on uh whether or not like some uh, projectile hits uh um a pile of things and and knocks things away or you know uh cities get infected by just you throw it up in the air and whatever city it lands on that's what gets infected or something or you go to flip uh the card or i forget it's been so long since i played pandemic but you go to flip over the card that you have to do at the end of the round and you have to like stick your hand inside of a box and randomly something will go down and like dab you with some ink or something and if it hits you then you get infected and then (laughs) (laughs) and you have to be wary of the fact that it might randomly infect you and that's the dexterity portion of of pandemic (laughs) and then it's a a test to see whether or not you remember to wash your hands before playing the game and infecting everyone else (laughs) yeah you you could take any game that has a random element and just make it a skill element instead like any game where you Mm -hmm. roll dice just put a dartboard up. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, yeah, that's that's a, actually such a good idea. So what if you were playing Monopoly, but instead of rolling the dice each turn, you would a dartboard. So you could, if you're two away from community chest, or if you're if you're right near boardwalk and whatever, and someone else has got hotels on them, you better you better be shooting straight. Like you it, have an opportunity to choose your fate. There's also there the opportunity that we could you know, come up with a, uh, a dexterity element, a skill element that is thematic to the game, whereas the die wouldn't be thematic. Uh, so, I don't know, for Monopoly, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example that's thematic for Monopoly. It's it's real estate, and it's also driving around uh, an area. I guess you don't, you're not all cars, you're not technically all driving, but... You have to play one round of Need for Speed. <laughs> <laughs> And the yes. the the millisecond the result of your score is the die roll. Yeah. <laughs> dexterity games. Ah, oh, what a good time! Lots of childhood games. Lots of lots of games from the past. A couple games from the future. Just kidding. The recent past. <laughs> it's a callback. Potential joke. future. Yeah, we, pot- we, we're we're making those games for the future. Oh yeah, our future future ideas. Well, thanks for tuning in. We're Games Explained. Uh, Come next time, we're going to be talking about speed games. Games that can be done in five seconds or less. Classics. So good. Huge variety. Looking forward to it. We'll see you then. Hey, thanks for stopping by. You can see the rest of our content at youtube.com slash games explained, where we have rules, videos, editorials, and these podcasts. See you next time. (laughs) 